come celebrate the holidays at the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Jump in the VR simulators to ride Santa's jet-powered sleigh. Or fly over frozen landscape in the Great Glacier Race. Enjoy special deals and discounts at the museum store and cafe every Saturday in December from 3 to 5. And bring your out-of-town friends and family, too, because admission and parking are free. Celebrate the holidays at the National Army Museum. A full list of holiday fun is at usarmymuseum.org. That's usarmymuseum.org. It's the Alexandra and Friends podcast, and we're covering the everyday issues of life, health, and wealth. And as always, we have a great panel of experts with us. Here is your host, Alexandra Fincher. Hey, everyone. This is Jose Gillian, the owner of All House Barbecue, located on Louisville and Carrollton. You can find us at allhousebbq.com, and we are the proud new sponsor of Alexandra and Friends. Come and see us. Welcome to Alexandra Friends 660 The Answer. Thank you so much for another Saturday night being with our staff, our co-hosts, and our guests, which are amazing. This show is brought to you by Miller Titled, Roberto Perez, and our podcast is brought to you by Old House Barbecue, Mr. Jose Guillen. We're going to take just a second to listen to the Pledge of Allegiance by the Clark Children. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You're listening to Alexandra and Friends 660. I'm Alexandra, and this evening we're going to welcome our beautiful co-host. I'm back! Yay! Oh, not me. Not me. Excuse me. Not Four-week hiatus, I think. Oh, yes. Yep, we're back. How are you feeling? You look beautiful. Thank you. I feel good. We need to take some pictures so uh, Liz can put them all on the website and talk (laughs) about it. She walked in flexing, didn't she? And and of course, Billy's here. He's been really, really good about being here lately on time. Yeah, I think Billy. early too. You so. know, I was on realtor time for a while. I apologize. Yeah. You know, Ooh. on time is ten minutes late. Ooh. That's ish. Yeah, yeah. If Billy, you're lucky. are you Nine-ish. in one of those moods just because Courtney's here? Only when you're here. Uh huh. Well, thank you so much for being here this evening. We have an amazing guest, and we're starting early with our guest because there's a lot to talk about. And number one, this evening we're celebrate. We are honoring our men and women for the Memorial Holiday weekend. This is not about going shopping because they're wonderful specials. This is an evening, a weekend to at least pray for our men and women who have left our country because they died for us. So with with saving all that, we are also had a very bad week. We had a terrible crisis or terrible evil shooting in Uvalde. So we're praying for all the parents and the teachers that went through this. And hopefully that we find an answer for all this. We had an amazing guest last week, right, Mr. A producer, <laughs> Billy. We have. What do you think about Doctor Fawn? Oh, I love Quad Con. <clears throat> yeah, he had good things to say, and he he covered the spectrum of all of it, from what I know. Or He's what so understand. funny. We yeah. were talking about all this mental instability, and here yeah. we are another another shooting, another children yeah. that just don't have any reason to be gone. That's why we got to open the conversation. Yeah. Well, we're gonna bring somebody very special this evening. Not because he's wonderful, but because he's my broker at United Real Estate <laughs> and also a good friend and also a Marine. Good evening, Mr. Nick Fristo. How are you? Good evening. I'm, I'm well. I'm doing good. Well, welcome to our show. I hope you, Courtney yeah. and, and, and Bill are going to have a lot of questions for you. And we look, first of all, we had your mother here as a guest. 
Yeah, she's the snake lady. Yeah, she's the snake lady. This is that is insane. Yes, it is insane. Mm. And now we know now where you get all the wonderful. Where I got my fight. Fight. Yes. yes <laughs> we yes. have her episode loaded on a podcast. I believe we, it so. should be. Yes. Yep. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. So we have her. Yeah. Yes, very much. That would that's be a good a one to go back and lady. listen to. Everybody, everybody, we we get messages. Is the picture she's on on our on our website? Oh with yeah, that, with that snake. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's. I mean, that's a good starting point just to see how Nick has. Uh, the genetic line of just toughness has come through. So that's pretty, it's pretty inspiring for sure. Well, let's just go back a little bit to Memorial Day because it is a very important holiday. It's not a holiday. It's really a remembrance, but we use it as holidays now. I mean, everywhere you go is sales on Memorial Day instead of really remembering our men and women. So hopefully that everybody understands that without our men and women in the military, we do not have a country. Mm-hmm. And I pray that we all at least stop and thank God for everything that we have. So without further notice, I want to bring uh, Mr. Bristow in. Hello, Nick. And you're a Marine, right? Right. Yeah, Marine. I was um, <clears throat> a Marine for four years, and I was uh, in the Army for eight. Well, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you for your thank service. You. Well, you have a very uh, impressive um, story. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do now, and you're no longer serving, so but you're right. a realtor, right. and you're a broker. And you're with United Real Estate. I am. So so Woo-hoo. currently I'm the, the managing broker of United Real Estate. Um, and I have an office in Dallas. And in Frisco, I sponsor about 790 agents. So I run a very big office. Uh, you know, prior to that, I flipped homes. I was in real estate. Before that, I was um, a reconnaissance Marine for four years. Uh, then I went in the Army eight years. I was an Arabic translator on a special operations team for eight years. So, so you know, for... So for me, for Memorial Day, um, obviously, you know, when you're in special operations for 12 years, you lose a lot of friends. And so um, it's just a special day for me. Good. Well, it's a special day because you're honoring them also and because you are here and they're not here. And this is important. I think that's what we that's a very important day for you because you you remember them mm-hmm. like we cannot remember them unless there are our relatives. Right. So. So tell us where did you serve and how, you you were in the you were army and also I was in the Marine Corps first first um, and then came into the army and then I went into the army um, in the Marine Corps I was in reconnaissance which is like it's kind of like their special forces seals um, I did that for four years uh, then got out and and I didn't realize when I got out that the reason I wanted to get back in is I was I already had uh, issues and I couldn't really adjust to being back in this world. So I'm like, I'm just going to go back in. So when I was in, uh, the Marine Corps, I did some operations with some, some Navy SEALs and some special forces teams and the special forces teams had so much better equipment than we did. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go (laughs) in the army and get into special operations. They apparently look pretty well funded. Um, so that's why that, and, and as simple as it is, that's really why I chose the army instead of going back into the Marine Corps. So tell us, where did you serve? Um, I served, um, so I was deployed in uh, Panama during Iran-Contra. We ran operations tracking gun runners. Uh, then in the in the, um, the Army, I did a lot of stuff in, in, for Iraq, uh, not really Afghanistan. That was kind of after me. But our focus was Iraq, and I did um, humanitarian demining operations, landmine operations in uh, Eritrea and Ethiopia. Now, you had quite a few setbacks throughout this journey, when I read your bio, I, I'm shocked. You you seem healthy and upright and having never had an issue, but you've been through some stuff. Talk to us a little bit about 
the accidents and incidents that occurred over well, the years. Uh, well, I won't give you detail because uh, it's just hard to talk about. Sure. But I ended up, um, you know, various injuries. I had 10 surgeries, um, orthopedic surgeries, and that led to me being uh, medically uh, medically retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to stay in for a million years. I loved what I did so much. But, you know, God had a different uh, a different plan. For sure. So, and what led you to initially enlist in the Marines? Uh, you know, um, well, I was watching and when Iran was holding American hostages and I watched it on TV and all I could think about is I want to be on a team that, 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 uh, that rescues them. And it's interesting how lineage kind of follows the bloodline or that is the bloodline. Um, when we were, uh, vacating Afghanistan, uh, not too long ago, my 15 year old son was watching and they said there's 12,000 Americans stranded. He's like, dad, he goes, I want to be on a team to, to rescue him. I'm like, Holy crap. Oh goodness. That's what I said in That gives me goosebumps. So your son is in the military also. Uh, well, no, I have an older son. Uh-huh. He, uh, uh, was deployed. He spent five years straight in Afghanistan fighting. Uh, he's a defense contractor now. Uh, my youngest son, uh, that's all he talks about. He wants to get in the military. It's just... How come your oldest son, did he come back between deployments or he was really there for... He was. He could only be out of country. He was in Afghanistan 11 months. He could come home for one month and back 11 wow. months. Wow. So he was really... I mean, he was in the thick of it. Wow. So you speak Arabic? I Well, I used to be very, uh, very proficient at uh-huh. Arabic. I can still write it phonetically. I can read it phonetically. My translation is kind of gone to the wayside this is something you learned while in the military mm-hmm. i went to um language school okay arabic language school in the army so uh wait, did you get to use it while you were in the military oh yeah yeah we um i wrote uh scripts for voice of the gulf uh, we would drop transistor radios into iraq and then they would broadcast our radio whatever broadcast we had oh that's interesting so so that kind of helped you to kind of communicate with mm-hmm. with the people themselves yeah because the, the iraqis would we'd get about maybe 10 or 12 minutes of airtime before they would block the signal so i in a prior life was married to a um person that was in the army and mm-hmm. we were stationed at ntc in fort Irwin. did you oh, spend man. quite a bit of time out there <laughs> ntc yeah <laughs> Quite the armpit. <laughs> yeah, it is. Spent several years there and then got the bright idea that we were going to move off base. And so uh, my ex-husband commuted the hour drive wow. and then um, we ended up selling that house and, and moving right. here. But yeah, it was, uh, that's an interesting place. But I remember that was when they were starting to um, bring in all of the Iraqi, uh, I don't know, game players right they would bring them right. in to, to simulate it they call being, them op four yes op four and so yeah. what's the other one it's op four and then he was um i don't know. i can't remember but uh um, they changed things he would bring me out there we drive around <laughs> it would be all the you know the big um containers made into cities mm-hmm. and uh it was it was quite an interesting experience but then they realized you know after you would see two or three units come through for their or their deployments two or three times they're like we've got this whole base of of soldiers that haven't deployed yet. Yep. And um, so he finally got orders to go and they, they pulled him from some special task force. He's like, I'm, I'm getting out. He got out, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm sure he regrets that every single no, day. I but... mean, we're not all meant to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we, we think we have control over everything. We have no control. Mm-hmm. I think everything's kind of pre-written. Um, and we, even though we think we're deciding we're, I don't know if we really are. So you left the Marines and joined the army. Yes. So in our next segment, we're going to talk about, 
the situation. Fort Bragg, is that where you were stationed? Yes, that's the center Amazing. of the universe. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Fort Bragg and okay. everything that happened in Fort Bragg because you were involved in a lot of this and got to see a lot of your men and women be yeah. killed. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes. This show is brought to you by Miller Title, Roberto Perez. Please check out our website at alexandrumfriends.com. All of our previous episodes are loaded on any podcast platform. You can also see descriptions and profiles and both bios on that website. And then also like our Facebook, Alexander and Friends 660. And we're here with Nick Bristow. And Nick, we left off. You uh, left the Marines and you decided to go to the Army. Tell us more about that. Right. So, um, so when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, one of our missions, we, you know, we did counterterrorism for the LA Olympic games, but also one of the missions we were, I was on one of the teams that would, uh, go to Vietnam and rescue POWs, uh, and liberate the camp. And, 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 you know, unfortunately we never, we never got to, we got airborne quite a few times and then we got, we had to stand down because it was, they said it was bad Intel or something. So we never got to go do that part, but, um, during other operations in the Marine Corps, I had, you know, I had seen some buddies get killed and stuff and I, and I didn't really understand, um, that it had had an impact on me until I got out and, and I still didn't understand what the issue was. But when I got out of the Marine Corps, I tried to go to college. I couldn't really keep a job because I was, I was pretty not violent, but I was, um, angry. I was just, there was something in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, man, that guy's kind of crazy. And so I, and I, I just couldn't make sense of the world. I'm like, there's, I don't belong out here. I need to go back. Uh, and so, you know, because of the better equipment stuff I saw with those special forces teams in the Army, that's why I decided to go into the Army. What was the break in between that? About three years. Oh, okay. Three very long years for me. I <laughs> bet. It I was bet. difficult. So then when you get back into the military, you go into the Army, you've got obviously some lingering stuff. Mm-hmm. You're back in the environment. I'm sure it's you kind of pick up where you left off well, yeah. and you don't yeah. really you don't really think about it. Like everyone's yeah. just all in together. Right. Or we all have it. So we all it's a normal thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel different because everyone's got these kind of weird issues, mm-hmm. but you don't notice them because because you have it. Right. 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 Yeah. And so then you were stationed out of Fort Bragg and mm-hmm. uh, there was quite a few things that had happened. We don't need to go into all that, but. Um, is your bio somewhere out there for, for people it's, to see? I mean, on, for people to read about it? It's on my LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. On my Facebook. Um, I don't go into detail um, on some of the things that I went through because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it, it would do people justice to have sure. to read that. You know, and, um, but I, I saw a lot of uh, very, uh, very close friends get killed. I'm so sorry. Um, I think from a standpoint, though, there's so many people that probably feel the same way that that you do or mm-hmm. that how you're saying and, you know, maybe reading it could give them the next step to get some help. Because I know that you had mentioned going through that. You did sustain quite a bit of PTSD. Right. And then you sought services when you got out of the Army eight years later. Talk to us a little bit about how that transpired. Well, when I got out of the Army, um, I didn't know I had PTSD. Um, everybody just thought I was crazy. I was very impulsive. Um, I, I, I lived very recklessly. And that was kind of around a time where it was still taboo, right? Like we're, mm-hmm. it wasn't, we didn't talk about it so much. And no. it was kind of like, just suck it up. And this is what you went through and just get on with it. And yeah, it, it, it was one of those deals that, that back then they didn't really prepare you. You know, one day you're in special ops being deployed and the next day you're standing on a street in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like what just happened? You know, and so um, I didn't understand. I started doing MMA fighting just because I just needed to get this energy out of me. And um, I couldn't hold a job. That's why I became a realtor, not because I can't work, but because I needed to work for myself. 
is because because I wasn't I wasn't employable, you know, and so I kind of struggled with life, um, you know, and then in 2014, I was in a car accident and um, I don't remember any of this, but they cut me out of the car. I got in a fist fight with the cops. I, I attacked the guy that hit me. Uh, they had to strap me down in the ambulance. I don't remember this stuff, but when I was at the hospital at, I think, Plano, uh, Medical City Plano or somewhere, that's when the doctors, he said something to me about the VA. And um, about a week later, so the VA called me and said, hey, you know, why don't you come in? And and they said you might have had a brain injury because I've had two pretty bad brain injuries. And that's why I'm deaf in this year from an explosion. And I got my brain rattled pretty bad. Um, but they're like, well, maybe you have another brain injury. So they came in. They did it. They said, we see the scar tissue from the old brain injuries, but you look okay. And they're like, hey, why don't you go see it was Dr. Emmett at the VA in mental health? I'm like, all right. And so that's when I uh, sat down. She's been at the VA 35 years. And she's like, just tell me everything you've been through from the day you went in. So about an hour later, um, uh, I told her, well, that's it. And I said, I'm sure guys have had it worse. And she's like, you know, Nick, and this is very validating for me. She's like, you know, um, Every time someone has really bad PTSD, they always say, but someone had it worse. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're probably, she was like, I've been here 35 years. She's probably in the top three worst stories I've had to hear. So, so for me, um, it was like, okay, I'm not crazy mm-hmm. now that I understand what the issue is. So I started therapy at the VA and I did that for, I was going three times a week for, for years. Oh, wow. I was, I was really messed up. I mean, there's times, I don't want to sound dark, but there's so many nights I always I had a gun in my mouth mm-hmm. just like. I don't know what's wrong. I just want this to end. The only way this I can make this stop is if I die. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, when we get we getting back to Memorial Day, um, there's nothing happy about it. Um, and when people say happy Memorial Day, a lot of veterans, it hurts them because this is a very somber day. But but the general public should be walking around sad. Right. Um, because that's not their burden to carry. Right. They have their that's own right. things they're dealing with. Um, but I think I think the hardest struggle for me um, have been my friends, um, that made it out alive and have killed themselves. So, um, excuse me. Suicide is a very, very difficult, um, situation in our lives. Nick, I want to go back because you did, you were amazing speaker at the Jewish war veterans, uh, for us, but I want to go back to Fort Bragg because I think this is where you started carrying guilt because you were alive and other people were hurt or they were killed. Tell us a little bit about what happened on that, uh, on that day when the shooting that left one dead and 20 wounded and you carry that guilt. What were you thinking about at that moment? I, uh, so, um, I, I was unfortunate enough to be, so never, nothing ever really happened on deployments. Um, you know, I was in, so 18 months prior to that shooting, I was in a, involved in a horrific event um, that left 25 people dead. And, Is that the green ramp? Yeah. Um, and so and so what happened for me, Alexandra, is that broke my peace. Um, the reason that broke my peace, I was back, I wasn't employed, I was at home. And these things don't happen at home. You're not, you're not when you're deployed, you're ready for someone to get shot. You're ready to see things. So you kind of have your guard up. But my peace was broken with green ramp. Um, you know, absolutely horrific event. And so that really, that really kind of shook me to the core is like, okay, there's nowhere safe. There's nowhere safe because, and then you're hyper vigilant because you're always waiting for something to happen. And then, so 18 months later, uh, my special ops team and I were out running, 
Uh, I mean, we're going by Tallis Stadium at Fort Bragg, and all of a sudden we hear shots cracking over us, and we're in shorts and t-shirts, and we're like, "Holy smoke!" So we we there's a there's a there was a building, a cinder block building. So we ran behind it, and, and a uh, army soldier had gone up in the woods with his weapon, and he was shooting his own battalion. They were out there uh, preparing to, to 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 do battalion exercises. And I, you know, my team and I, we sat there helpless and watched 20 people get shot. They were too far away to help. We were totally unarmed. And so the shooting, some special forces guys were in the woods and they subdued them. They subdued the shooter. Um, and so we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, I guess we just finished the run and go to breakfast. So we finished the run and went to breakfast and never talked about it. Um, the unfortunate reality of when you're, in the military is you can't dwell on these things. You, you become mission incapable if you dwell on these things. And what happens is you learn to bury everything mm-hmm. because it becomes second nature. Just bury it, bury it, bury it. We don't talk about it. And then all that stuff kind of comes out. Um, all those ghosts, you know, I call them the, the cracking bones of haunted men. Um, that starts coming out when you get out and you have all this space, you know, and suddenly you're not living in a compressed environment and your brain has a space and then your brain starts roaming uh, then it starts going to places that you don't, you don't want it to go, mm-hmm. you know, but it does. And so with the VA, you know, for people that may be experiencing something similar, mm-hmm. it's all free, right? I mean, the, the VA services are it's, free. What, yes. what do people do? How do they get a hold of the VA? They just. So, so there, there's VA hotlines. If you're feeling suicidal or you need help, um, any veteran that's suffering, that's suffering can go to the VA. Um, and, and it's like any, any system, it's a bit bureaucratic because it's a, it's a big system. Mm-hmm. The people there, the system isn't that great. The people are amazing. Once you get through the system to the people, they take such, such good care of me. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, and, and the VA kind of gets a bad rap, like, oh, they're creating all these homeless people. You know, what happens with the VA is, is a lot of people join the military because they would love their country. They want to protect it. That's what I did. A lot of people go in the military because maybe they have some some underlying emotional or mental issues. They can't get traction. Hey, that's a job, or I need to get away from my town. Mm-hmm. And the chances are they probably would have been homeless anyway. So there's a larger than the a proportionately larger number of that demographic that goes into the military. So it's not the military causing it, but but the VA is obligated to help them. Do you think with that statement that the military is starting to do maybe additional screenings for that before they, or is it still whoever wants to join? We need the well, numbers. They, I they mean. screen as much as they can. The reality is mental, you know, if someone comes in with one leg, it's pretty obvious. These mental and emotional issues um, can be so well hidden. In fact, the individual may not even know they have them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's, it's so hard to detect yeah. um, that they can't. That they can't. Um, so let me go back uh, because I know you so well uh, and I know it emotionally, but in, you feel guilty because you're alive and you felt that way for yeah, a long time. I, um, and I still do. And you still you know, do. I had a flashback. Or, or it's called a daymare. A daymare. I had a, I had a flashback. Um, first one I've had in a long, long time. I mean, they, they kind of start to come, but I know how to diffuse them pretty quickly, but I was in a situation where I couldn't. Um, and then I just, you know, it kind of hit me and, and yeah, I feel guilty. You know, sometimes why did you die and I didn't, you know. Well, and then, so inside of you, uh, and I think at the VA, there's all this wonderful help. There is a lot mm-hmm. of help because I work a lot with the VA. But I think one of the things that we forget to reach out is that we do have somebody within our life, our parent or mm-hmm. sister that you can talk to. 
But I know you, Nick, that you sort of keep things within inside because I see you in our office quite often. So as you are in the military, you're you're trying to move forward in your life and you see these things happening. Then you you continue in the army, correct? Mm-hmm. And you become an operator. You uh, you go to uh, you become airborne operations also. Is yeah, I was airborne the whole time. Oh, the whole so time. Being part of special operations is one of the one of the qualifications that you have to. Be so were you airborne. working well? Were you able to do your job? Mm-hmm. I uh. I mean, physically, I was at the top of my game until I started getting hurt. Uh, mentally, I was at the top of my game, you know, and so I was I was kind of like the, you know, special ops is kind of the tip of the spear, and I was like right at the sharp edge because I was, I was a good operator, you know, and like I said, but things happen, um, and my, my, my biggest nightmare at the time was would something happen to me? Oh, I didn't care if I got killed. I'm like, okay, whatever, I got killed. My, I was more concerned if I got injured and I couldn't perform that job anymore. That was a bigger concern to me than dying. Wow. This, it really takes a toll on, on life itself. But mm-hmm. being a military is, is you, you have two lives. You have the military life and then you have your individual life. I grew up in it. Right. Uh, so now, what do you tell a young soldier going in, a young or your, man? Your son. Your I mean, son. Your, yeah. your kid. I mean, how... Are you okay with this? Are you proud that they want to serve their oh, yeah. country? I'm, I'm proud whether they want to serve or they don't. Um, that's a p- very personal choice. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talked to my son, Alex, before he went in, I said, you know, just really think about it. I said, I'll support it no matter what. And he wanted to go in. Uh, my 15-year-old wants to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very, he and I are mirrored very much alike in our personalities. Um, and, and, and he'll do it because that's what he wants to do, you know. And so I support their decision. I don't try to bog them down with, with my, the legacies I drag with me. Mm. I want them to Do go Do they on. know your story and your background? No. 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 Uh, my, my, my older son knows a tiny bit, but I really don't share it. Uh, like I said, I don't want to burden people with it. This evening, we have Courtney and Billy and Nick Bristow, Marine, and myself, Alexandra, and our um, producer, Michael Clark. So we're back, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about Nick Bristow's adventure in the military so take us back to 1995 when you were um was on airborne and what happened with well, your um so so i guess to to, to go backwards a little bit yeah. from that um you know um i'm bulletproof we're all bulletproof and then the first time i was injured on an operation uh where i was injured pretty bad that's when you're like oh this can happen to me i'm not immune to it so you start getting that feeling that you're actually are mortal you know i had lived my life um, I honestly thought Alexandra that I would never live past 30. I just like, I'm going to die before 30. That's what's going to happen to me. And so I lived my life that way. Like I just didn't care. So when the first time I got hurt, that kind of woke me up a little bit. And so in 1995, I'm on an airborne operation. And, um, so the way, the way, you know, it works when you're, you're parachuting is the mm-hmm. person below you has the right away because they can't see up all they see is the canopy of their parachute. So, if you're above someone, you give them the right away because they can't, they don't know you're there. Well, a, a jumper, uh, took, he, he came over me. And so my parachute took his air. So his parachute started to lose air. So he, he landed on my parachute and that collapsed partially collapsed my parachute. And so I hit the ground probably doing 60, 70 miles an hour, uh, blew my knees out. Um, what about and, the other guy? But did he get hurt? Oh, I was going to, I was ready to 
that dude, I was going to kill him. <laughs> if I was going to walk, I was going to go kill him because he knew better. And this better. was like a repeated, you guys had taken a bunch of jumps before. He, it wasn't... he knew better. He okay. just wasn't paying attention. And so I was, I was mad, but I couldn't get up because I was, I was injured. And so, um, I had uh, knee surgeries and, um, maybe six weeks later I had two metal knee braces on and I talked to my orthopedic surgeon. I'm like, please clear me. I want to go on a jump. Please clear me. I want to go on a jump. He's like, you know, I don't think you're ready. I'm like, dude, I said, just, just clear me. He's like, okay, all right. If that's what you want. So he cleared me for the jump. So I'm on a, in a Blackhawk uh, helicopter and uh, got two knee braces on. And Blackhawks are kind of spooky because when you push off, there's a fuel pod right there and it feels like it's going to hit you in the face, but, but it doesn't obviously. So I'll push off, you know, things are going great. Hit the ground and blew both knees out again. Ugh. And so two more knee surgeries. Uh, and that, that, that those events are what ended up ending in my career because I couldn't be airborne anymore. Um, I couldn't I couldn't physically uh, handle the job, and that was a absolutely probably the most devastating blow to me. Is wow, I can't do what I love, and so that really really took the wind out of my sails. And then you then you're you know you're on base, you're hurt, um, and you feel like you're dragging your team down, and it's just it's just a really really hard feeling. It was for me. It was, it was a very, it really hurt my pride. It really hurt, uh, my soul because I had poured everything I had into this, this line of work. Do you have bionic knees? Are there, you got metal all up in there? There's, no? there's got, they've got screws and, mm. and stuff in them, but I've got, I had other injuries. I've got screws, you know, I've got my shoulder wired together. Uh, that was my first injury on a deployment. I've got my, my foot screwed together. Um, goodness, I've got various things, <laughs> Well, so when you uh, left the military, you actually were asked to leave, right? Because of your medical. Yeah, I, I was you, medically. You're full. You're um, fully uh, disabled. I'm hundred percent. Hundred percent disabled. disabled. Yeah. So you started going into a process of, of guilt and and mentally mm-hmm. disturbed, and and you started to try to even commit suicide. Yeah, I um, like I said, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I came. I didn't fit. Everything I was like, I, I was transported to a foreign planet because where I went from to here, it was so the operate. Everything was just so different. I didn't, I didn't understand people. I didn't understand how this system out here worked. Um, and it was, it was uh, humiliating. It was terrifying. It was. I was being. I was having horrible, horrible nightmares. Um, and I didn't know it was ptsd but i just could not function you came back you left north carolina and came back to dallas yeah i came back to you dallas. moved back in with the snake mama no 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 i was married at the time i, oh, okay. I destroyed that marriage um because of my my i was just you no one could live around me mm-hmm. and so um but i was having horrible nightmares i was just having a lot of trouble and you know i'd find myself you know alone drunk on the floor with a gun Whoa. um finding every reason i could not to do it you know, and so it was one of those deals that even during the daytime when you're not thinking about it, it's like right there in your periphery. Um, it's always just right there. Um, you know, when I had a, I had a flashback in Orlando at our, 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 our business conference, it's always right there. I don't care how it hasn't happened in, in five years. It's always just kind of sitting there and you never know what's going to trigger it. Um, luckily I've been given tools by the VA to kind of, uh, to help mitigate some of the stuff, mm-hmm. but it's one of the things that it doesn't go away. So it's kind of just floating right there, you know, and, and you learn to manage it, you know, it's not going to go away. You learn to manage it. Um, and I think I've done, I've done very well. Um, I've, I've, you know, once I got, um, 
I went to college, got my master's degree, uh, and then became the broker of United. I think that was really a turning point for me, um, to where, okay, I can be a functional part of society. Now, broker for United, is United your baby or you're the managing broker for this ex- pre-existing so, company? So I'm, um, I'm the managing broker for a company. So I'm an employee, uh, but we're huge. We're at 26,000 agents, oh, 600, wow. 600 something offices. So we've, we're a very big company. Um, I've got the best leadership team uh, I could dream of. What, what I like is they give me autonomy. They let me make good decisions. I've grown the firm from 280 to almost 800 agents in five years. So I've really grown the firm, both both as you know profitability and agent count. Awesome. So I'm doing the right things. And so for me, it's very prideful to see, okay, here's something else I can excel in. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I'm not just a special ops guy that's stuck out here. I can excel at something else too. And so that really has helped me uh, mentally and emotionally um, understand that I, I have value out here besides just some guy. Right. Well, and then you just think on a, a smaller scale, you know, you, you think about the times that you told us about, you know, not wanting to be on this earth anymore, but think mm-hmm. of all the lives you positively impacted now yeah. in this second yeah. part of your, your life. I mean, that's. And I do. And it really, it, it gives me a reason to wake up in the morning mm-hmm. knowing I can help people. Um, it's just, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful place for me to be. So when did you actually leave the army? What year? Uh, 1997. So you did not attend, you did not go to the VA or anything until 2014. Is that correct? Right. They uh, were struggling with all this on your own. Yeah. Because back when I I got out, um, I got a call one day. I had an appointment at the VA. They didn't tell me getting out that you had to go to the VA. So I didn't know this stuff. So they called me and it was at the time when the VA was going through a lot of changes. So Uh they pretty much, you went through the front door, it it, it spits you out the back like a, like a, a, like a, a meat grinder and you're done. And so I didn't even know I could go to the VA. I didn't know this until I started after that car wreck and, I, and the, the dots kind of started connecting and I'm like, wow, I have services, you know? And so, so, um, yeah, so it was, it was from 1997. The first time I went back was 2014. Now wow. you were saying something about a hospital that's not VA hospital. Well, it is, it's a, te- it's called in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our commissioners, Patterson started the program for Texas vets. This mm-hmm. Texas vets. We have our own cemetery. We have our own hospitals called, Texas Vet Hospital in there. One of them is in um, Bonham, right next to the VA hospital. Oh, wow. And this is for our military, our Texas vets. You also have the Hazelwood Act for mm-hmm. the children, and you have a, also a cemetery where you and your wife can be buried also. Oh, wow. So it's an amazing, and most Texas vets do not know this. But Texas loves our vets, and this was a uh, program that was brought in by um, Patterson, our commissioner. So these are very important issues. Well, you know about the Texas land. We, mm-hmm. you know, so this is all the programs for Texas vets that you do have, and it's beautiful. It's not, like, and I'm not going to say that the VA hospitals are, are ugly or old, but they are a different world. They're government owned, but this is run by the Texas Veterans Association. Mm-hmm. So this is something to look at. So uh, Nick, I'm going to go back because I've seen you in the office. Sometimes you get a little. Do you find yourself that you're among all these agents that you sometimes maybe lose it a little bit? Um, well, I'm talking to you as a friend. Okay? No, no, Maybe I, regular HR stuff. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I. I, I, I like. I like talking to everybody. Right. Um, right. I'm not a guy that sits in the office with my door nope, shut. You're not. I like to be engaged and 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 talking. So I love that aspect of it. You know, I like to keep my brain busy. Um, if I'm not working, I'm doing metal art. I'm always doing something, or I'm building these crazy mm-hmm, cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my nemesis is quiet time. Um, 
Luckily, my girlfriend talks nonstop, and so we, and, and so do I. So we we never shut up. So I have very limited uh, downtime because the brain can start to drift, you know. And and so keeping things busy, keeping things going, um, keeping things moving forward, and talking uh, is a safe space for me. You just you just said most men's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a girlfriend that never shuts up. Oh goodness! I, I was thinking well, that Alexandra. Way, though. I thought she was asking that question about how she is up there. Does she drive you crazy? No, I barely ever go to the no. office. Uh-huh. I think I, in a year, maybe I go one or two. Yeah, times. I just that's see her it. a couple times, and that's yeah. and that's yeah. it. So I don't. I I work from my car and my home and everything else. So. I love working for Nick. Well, I don't work for Nick, but I'm his broker. He's my broker, mm-hmm. but he's one of the best people that motivates you and wants to keep you yeah. going. And yeah, uh, but I, I since think I I've, motivate myself, I motivate him when I go to the office. <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've adapted well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate um, that I utilize the VA properly. Um, that I have a, a a support system in place, which is is my my girlfriend. So. You know, I still have nightmares, but but she knows how to wake me up. Um, prior to her, my poodle actually learned. Oh, and you how had a gorgeous poodle. When I'd ha- be having a when I'd have a nightmare, she'd wake me up, and and so now Rebecca, she can she can tell before it starts getting bad. She knows how to wake me up, so I'm not wake up swinging. Um, and that's been very comforting for me because when you have a really bad nightmare, it takes sometimes days to get over it. It's just so heavy on you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's really so. I have a lot of things that are I'm very fortunate that a lot of veterans don't. Um, they don't either, they don't have it or they don't understand how to get it. And so uh, I count my blessings that, that I, I found, a, I found a, a healthy path. Awesome. So you were, when you were in the dark places of your life, mm-hmm. you wrote a poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it? Um, and I, I, I've kept it, the, the poem yeah. you sent it to me. So let's come yeah. back and tell us how you, why I, you wrote that poem. Oh. I will, but, but you're going to have to read it because I won't be able to get through it. Well, we'll have Courtney read it. Well, I don't think I'm going to read it either. I think we should maybe pre-record it. <laughs> yes, Michael Clark. No, yes, to, Michael want, Clark. You, want you, to, you feel you good? Okay, yes, Michael. Uh, it's I, I because it he be wrote read. it from his heart. It was in a very dark side. And I remember that our vets and our Jewish war veterans were so taken by it that they became part of our yeah, I introduction. Would be, I would so we're going to let our, our producer Read it. Okay, okay we'll good. be right yeah, back. This is Alexander and <laughs> Friends 660, The Answer. This show is brought to you by... Miller titled Roberto Perez. Don't forget to go to our website, alexandrafriends.com or our Facebook, Alexandra Friends 660. We're so glad to have Courtney back. So, Courtney, tell us a little bit about what happened and where you are. Well, nothing really happened. It yes. was a completely 100% elective surgery. Yes. I had a tummy tuck with muscle repair. So, they, they cut all the baby stretch marks, skin, they just so you can wear bikinis now, right? Yes, I can. Woo-hoo. And then they they take your ab muscles and they put permanent stitching back in there and they sew it up and that's to help with your core. And so a big thing for that is if you've had babies and you've got like bladder issues, that's where a lot of it originates from. So that's really exciting. I'm I used to call jumping jacks pee pee jacks. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm hoping that I can <laughs> I can actually do an actual jumping jack without having wow. any any wow. issues. And then, um, yeah, I had a little, they sucked a little stuff out of here and out of here and I'm still super swollen. It's four weeks this week. And so. Did you hurt a lot when you oh, came it's home? Oh, extremely painful. Painful. Ex- yes. Extremely painful. Well, that's, that's good you did that. That, yeah. you want, that you wanted to do it. You know, I think um, if men, if, if when a woman had a baby, if men had physical changes to their bodies, mm-hmm. 
we would want to get it fixed. Right. And so I think um, it's, it's good for your self-esteem because, yeah. because yeah. it's, you know, we're, we're judged a lot on how we look. For sure. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been great. I, um, I'm excited for the fact of, you know, I, I made a post about it just because I don't ever want people to think, you know, I had started working out. I don't ever want them to think that I was playing it off by if you eat clean and you exercise your That's brains right. out that you're going to end up, you know, having a flat stomach because it's not true. That bleep is not reality for mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. most women. And it was very interesting to me. I had about 50 messages come in from that post of women who hide it well, quote, you know, what people say, oh, you hide it well, you would have never thought, but they they have similar issues too, and they're contemplating it. But then it's, you have that guilt and that shame and, you know, is it vanity? But it makes a big difference to be able to, you know, I'm in jeans today with a belt and my shirt tucked in. That's never, never happened, happened in my before. life. And so wow. you feel um, good. Well, you just you you're just excited to be able to wear things that, you know, you're not trying to hide it or mask it. And so, you know, that's been exciting. But um, it is, you know, they they I have a scar from hip to hip. I mean, they cut you clear across your body and it is not a picnic. And so it's so funny when people are like, oh, you took the easy way out. Well, yeah, maybe maybe maybe, but that maybe was your it was um, in the <laughs> sense of. No amount of exercise and eating right would have ever gotten rid of the skin and the stretch marks. There's right. there's nothing that you can do except to remove it from your body, right? And so there was absolutely nothing easy about the surgery or the recovery. Um, and you know, I'm not I'm not no baby. Is but this your third week, third or fourth week? This because is you the look fourth. awesome. Thank you. This you is the fourth beautiful. week. Yep. Thank well, you. I tell you that um, we had a guest this last uh, last Saturday night it was Miranda Perez mm-hmm. Roberto's mother oh okay and she just had a full uh, mastectomy mm-hmm. and she is going in to have her um, her bre- breast implants, implants mm-hmm. going actually the 7th mm-hmm. and we were talking she says you, you somebody asked her why do you want to do that now that you know because you want to have that self esteem mm-hmm. you want to have so we're excited to see that happening yeah yeah now we have a la- we have a um a very good client of our, a very good uh, guest of ours, which was uh, Skin Lab. Yes. Skin Lab is welcome to, t- gentlemen, that y'all can go have a little Botox to kind of help you make <laughs> you good, look good. Uh, Billy, and, you know, we have if, a if you 20% think I need off. It, if you think I need it. <laughs> well, I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you took that decision. Yeah, and and you I'm just, it. you know, and it's something where people that are contemplating that, you know, it, this was 12 years in the making. I went for my initial consult 12 years ago and you talk yourself out of it. The money, what if something happens to you? You know, who's going to raise the kid? You know, all this stuff that goes through your mind. So I remember the night before surgery, I had written all my letters, right, to all my kids. And um, I laid my will out and put all my paperwork and all my passwords, you know, and you just, you, you, it's to think that you chose and something bad could happen. But I woke up and everything is fine. And you, know. and you made it and you're there yeah. and, and now you can help other women do that. Yeah. I mean, and it's, that's just, important. it's, it's yeah. just, it shouldn't be taboo to do stuff like this. No. Um, Look out for yourself first. Yeah. Well, that's and right. it's just, that's you know, right. then you can help others. Then you yeah. can help others. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, Mr. Uh, Nick, what do you think that that's good for a woman to I, do all that? I think so. Um, some things exercise can't fix. I don't think it's vanity to, to have something like excess skin. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you want to, you want to be happy and people say, well, you should naturally be happy, but you still see that yeah, For sure. and, you, and you can't good. fake like you don't notice it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important, um, that if a woman wants to do that, just don't worry about what anyone thinks. Yeah. Does you it do hurt what, anyone else to do you, it? You no. do what you want to do. Um, and I, th- I've known a lot of females that have done that mm-hmm. and they're very, they, they 
are not ashamed to put on a bikini mm-hmm. or a bathing right. suit. They're not ashamed to dress certain ways. Um, I think it's healthy. That's just my opinion. Well, thank you, Nick. Well, thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you. For Validation. Your- I'm Validation. always happy to hear. <laughs> well, be sure you post your pictures when you're in the bikini. I'm definitely not going to post <laughs> all those pictures. I, I mean, it's it's something where it's, for me, in my entire life, I've never been able to wear a choose two-piece bathing suit, but it's not something where I would do it to show anything no. off. That's that's just it's not just my your, nature. It's for but, you. Yeah. It's for you. Well, this has been an amazing evening. It is Memorial Weekend, and we have a wonderful guest, Maureen Nick Bristow. Hey. What is your um, your rank? Sorry. Well, he came. He went back in as the uh, in the army. Well, he's got two ranks. Right. Mm-hmm. He's got so, well, I, I carried my rank over from the Marine Corps to the Army, and so um, I was I was selected for E seven um, when I got hurt. And so, what happens is when you when you're hurt, even though you're eligible to be promoted. They're typically not going to because they only have a certain number of slots to promote people. And so they're going to go ahead and give that E7 to maybe the next guy behind mm-hmm. you um, because they had or they'll bring someone they'll bring someone in from another unit. And so and rightfully so, you know, you shouldn't I don't think someone should be, prom- be promoted if they can't perform the job they're being promoted for. So I didn't I wasn't spited. I was, you know, like, that's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. So I, so I left as an E6. You did left hand. So did you get a divorce before you left the the military or after? <laughs> no, um, both of them happened afterwards. Afterwards, yeah. okay. okay. And and those, like I said, they were. Um, I was bringing a lot of baggage with me. You know. Well, we all have baggage, and we yeah. just depends on how we carry it. Right. I had some, I had some serious Samsonite going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you came today, and I'm glad it was a, a weekend that we can share all these little. Now, things. what are you doing? Are you going to the the cemetery tomorrow are you putting up flags we're, we're putting flags out for the american legion at our mm-hmm. va center and you need do you join do, are you a member of the american legion no i you know alexander is as bad as this sounds i still have trouble uh being around a lot of veterans because we naturally start talking about things so i end up typically leaving worse off than when i came then and that's came. just something yeah, personal that's so okay. that's i okay. typically avoid hanging out with a lot of veterans for that reason and it's, yes. i'm not it's just it's unfortunate but like I said, I, I end up leaving. I understand. Like, oh, you know. I understand. Are you going to Arlington? Is that no? We're doing at the VA at our um, memorial in Carrollton. We have a memorial. Okay, because my kids doing are doing place. Arlington. They're doing Arlington. Yes. Are you Are you going with the kids? They're what? going with their dad because that's their thing that they Very good. they do. Very good. Are and you doing anything for the weekend? Does no. Nick? Rebecca and I are uh, one of her friends um, is married to a Dallas Cowboy. And we've been invited over to a dinner party. We're going to stay the night at their house. And then Sunday, we're going to a wedding. Whose wedding? Uh, my niece's wedding. Oh, okay. Well, so this weekend is a very special weekend. So I, all I got to say tonight is that we want to thank the families are part mm-hmm. of the Memorial Weekend because it's the families that serve as much as the uh, the military person. Yeah, they carry a huge they carry burden. Huge. Um, so people are gone all the time and yeah. it's just it's just a big burden. But they're there to serve with you too. Mm-hmm. And whether you know we like it or not, they are also part of the military family. Oh yeah, they definitely are. So we want to thank our servicemen and women that have gone through all this and the parents that have lost their child mm-hmm. to to the service and to the so it's keeping our country safe. So we appreciate it very much. Well, let's, I know the, the, we're coming to an end of the of our program, but I want to talk a little bit about elections because we did have some really good, um, this were the primaries, and our um, attorney general is going to continue. And I felt really bad for George P. Bush yesterday because he really did not say thank you for all the votes, but I did not win. He was kind of 
sassy. But <laughs> oh, it happens, I guess. I know, you know. I know. But it was we had really good. A very a lot of people went out and voted, which is very important mm-hmm. to me. So we had. So I think now the next one is we go November, and we have the big election of governor. Right. It's going to be. You know, Alexander's going to be very interesting uh, to see how that plays out. Um, you know, we have a lot of um, a lot of 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 people from the West Coast have moved to Texas. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, and so. So that's going to obviously cause some sort of a shift in the politics. And sometimes, Alexandra, you know, things need to change, not everything. But but when we have adjustments, uh, we need to have checks and balances. So anytime we have all one party, it becomes very unhealthy, uh, whether, whether it's one or the other. So I think it's very important that we have a, a mix. Sometimes we have a Democrat. Sometimes we have a Republican. And it really balances things out well uh, because we've seen what happens if it's all one type. It typically kind of starts to go off the rails because you don't have countering opinions that are good opinions, you know. And so it's going to be interesting to see how it, yeah. how it how it turns out. All I want is the interest rates to go down, <laughs> yeah, the gasoline to go down, and nice. for us to make good decisions. And that we don't want to go to the wars. We don't want to take care of everybody else's country. We need stability in our country first. Yeah, we need yeah, to we close do. the well, borders. Um, there's there's a there's a deal, you know, on the when you're on an aircraft, on an airplane, and they always say, put your mask on mm-hmm. first to help others. Because mm-hmm. if you can't help others, you can't. Can't help yourself, you can't. You can't help yourself, right. you can't help others. So I think it's very important that we always operate off a very strong base. We have to. And when you're talking about planes, I used to do, you, you, put your mask on before you jump Oh, off. that's right. Your past <laughs> life with American. Oh, that's right. Wow. That's right. So did you know that she retired from American Airlines? No. 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 Wow. What did you do? A lot of things. Really? <laughs> I was flat in and then I went to uh, corporate. I left with corporate, yeah. Oh, wow. So when you said put your mask on, you, you. Put your- <laughs> <laughs> the things we learn, right? The things we learn, yes, yes, yeah. yes. But it was a lot of fun. So, the, you know, things just have to have to normalize in our country because we're so right now, um, you know, it affects so many ways. In, in You know, you've got, I don't know how people can afford to drive right now. We're already I, if you in- don't have a side hustle, a second job, I don't know how you're doing it right now. I don't either. And, I mean, and, you know, the, the reality is um, as the city gets more expensive, the people that are make less yes. are pushed further out mm-hmm. and they have to drive further in. Yes. So now they're dealing with, with crazy gas prices. And if they don't, you know, I call the toll road the rich people road because if you're lower income, that is a, a huge amount of money oh, yeah. to get the mm-hmm. tollway. And then if then if you if you're like, well, I'll take the side roads, now you're punished. You're punished. To take yes. twice as long. Yes. yes. And so I they've always really bothered me because I think they're very inequitable. Um, but they are what they are. So hopefully the gas prices will go back down and, and it's and not maybe gonna happen can, in the next couple of years. I don't I don't think so either. Well yeah. my company covers my toll tag and it's over four hundred a month doing what I yeah. got to do. That's, I know. That's crazy to a lot of people. Do you get gas covered, too, in your big diesel truck? Well, no, it's not big. I get 30 miles a gallon out of that thing. But, no, the fuel's not covered. That comes out of a, another program. Well, we'll <laughs> have to talk about gas and taxes and, and prices in the next show because this show is is just not going to get there. Once mm-hmm. I get started, my God, right. I'm going to start wondering right. who's going to pay the next, the next uh, home. And now... Nick, you wanted to share with us a poem that you had written. Why yeah, don't you? So uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. So, um, you know, w- what's interesting, I guess, um, I saw a lot of people, uh, you know, killed some very violently. Um, but for for some reason, there's one particular young man um, who was a forever etched in my mind. And I don't know why he stood out among all the other things that I had had seen. Um, but. 
he is he's forever part of me. Um, I have no idea what his name is. I'll never I'll never know. Um, he had this the most beautiful blue eyes, and he had been uh, he had been burned to death. Um, but his eyes weren't burned. His eyelids were burned off for some reason. They were crystal clear, and I don't know if that's what did it. But to this day, there's certain blue eyes. If I see them on people, I avoid them like the plague. I can't. The minute I see it, I'm like it's like a trigger for me. So certain blue colored blue eyes, I just I avoid. <laughs> um, no, you're y'all are okay. I'm okay. We're I wouldn't okay. be in this room, trust <laughs> me. Um, and it's something I've never gotten over, and I wish I could, but I just I can't even talk to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I had written a poem about him. Um, I can't read it because I won't be able to get through it. I can't read it because um, I know I won't be able to get through it. And so we, we who, so so um, I think um, Michael, Michael Clark, Clark our producer, the, he drew the short straw, and so he gets to read it. He gets to read it, and um, we'll get to um, enjoy it. Because you wrote it, and yeah. also thank God for you being there for that young man, and that yeah, you, you can know, continue was, his um, his legacy. Uh, yeah, and um, sometimes I live um, when I'm really down. I think you know I'm, I'm I'm fortunate. I get to live the life he wished he could have. Right, right. Well, well, well. Thank you so much for being a part of our show tonight and sharing your story. Um, and I want to thank Roberto Perez for making this possible for yes. this show because yes. we bring so many wonderful people to. Uh, talk about everything so have a good evening thank you we're gonna leave you with the poem michael clark blue boy by nick bristow hey boy those eyes seem to tell tale of an epic fight lying prostrate on the dell you're quite a lurid sight lying hushed upon the grass charred face and smoking skin contemplate you as you pass watch your end begin eyes so bright so blue and clear Against your darkened brow, they seem to be with life so near, yet so far away from now. Bet your town will be so proud when you're home in the family plot. Flag across it as a shroud and speak of how you fought. Blue eyes had a tale to tell just a few moments before. Now you die upon the dell. You simply are no more. Thank you for listening. Our guest today has been Nick Bristow. And if you or a loved one would like to chat with a crisis line, veterans or their loved ones can call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. And press 1. Or you can chat online, T-E-X-V-E-T dot org. Or you can send a text message to 838-255. 838255, and that's the Veterans Crisis Line, and that's also at textvet.org. There are no pre-qualifications to chatting with someone about your crisis. You've been listening to Alexandra and Friends, the podcast. Reach out to us on Facebook at Alexandra and Friends, or write us an email, alexandraandfriends660 at gmail.com. Be sure to mark us as one of your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. Come celebrate the holidays at the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Jump in the VR simulators to ride Santa's jet-powered sleigh. Or fly over frozen landscape in the Great Glacier Race. Enjoy special deals and discounts at the museum store and cafe every Saturday in December from 3 to 5. And bring your out-of-town friends and family, too, because admission and parking are free. Celebrate the holidays at the National Army Museum. A full list of holiday fun is at usarmymuseum.org. That's usarmymuseum.org.